Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So I'm, yeah, I, I like to lift a few weights, but I'm obviously, I don't think there's anybody here that's in that category. Um, 406 pounds over his head. Um, and yeah, he made all the grunts and the groans that you would expect him to make. Um, but he, he, he said he has the strongest shoulders in America. Um, but that was, that was um, a guy named Brian Shaw. Now tonight, well, yeah, t- tonight we're going to be talking about, we, this is our final series in our, or final session in our Punch Fear in the Face. Um, I just love doing that. Um, Punch Fear in the Face series. Uh, first week we talked about FOMO, fear of missing out. Last week we didn't have an acronym for it, but it was, but it was fear of failure. I guess we could call it FOF, F-O-F. Um, tonight it's fear of the unknown. Uh, the acronym seemed kind of weird, BFOTU. Um, it almost sounds like a cuss word, so I don't think we're going to go with that. We're just going to say fear of the unknown. And, um, and a better way maybe to describe fear of the unknown is a term that you know very well, um, and it's the term anxiety. Um, as we... Oh, that's... Trying to figure out where that noise is coming from. It's really bothering me. We're talking about anxiety. Uh, and as we talk about anxiety, I'm kind of thinking about this guy here. He made this statement. I don't know if you heard it. It sounds like kind of a, almost like a redneck statement, like a here, hold my beer type statement. But yeah, it was, yeah, I've got the strongest shoulders in America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that sounds like a bumper sticker or something. But yeah, he, he obviously has some pretty strong shoulders. He can put up, you know, 400 some pounds on his shoulders. But even Brian Shaw, has limits, right? Um, I wonder how long, if he was timed, how long he could hold that 406 pounds above his head without either crushing a skull or, you know, like breaking an arm or something. Um, I wonder how long, he wouldn't be able to hold it, hold it over his head for, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, an hour. Uh, if you pow- piled on another probably 20 pounds on it, he probably couldn't get it up, right? So even the strongest shoulders in America, right, have limits, so we're talking about weight, right? We're talking about weightlifting weight. But what about spiritual weight? What about the things that, that, that keep us up at night? Um, if I were to ask you, and you were not to answer out loud, but answer to yourself honestly, what keeps you up at night? Like what makes you lose sleep? Um, those things, those fears that are so big in our minds could almost, yeah, almost be too heavy for 406-pound shoulder Brian Shaw to hold up couldn't they? When I think of anxiety, I've heard this definition. I think it's a really good definition um, when we think about anxiety and how it affects our life. It's fear run amok in our minds. It's when fear is in the driver's seat of our minds. And I'll have to be honest, kind of Matt McClay confession time. Um, Yeah, this is my ninth year of youth ministry. And yeah, so many teens have talked to me about, I'm really struggling with anxiety, and you know, I do my best to you know, pray with them, check up on them, be there for them. Um, but I never really understood how crippling of an experience it was until at 33 years old last year, I had, for the first time, an anxiety attack. And for those of you that have experienced an anxiety attack, you know what I'm talking about. And for me, it, came, it, it, was the res, it was the result of something that was not, would even, I'm almost em, even embarrassed to say I was concerned about it or afraid about it. It was a, I think it was a Thursday evening and I was getting ready for bed and I'm a nerd like this and I set my clothes for the next day out ahead of time. Any of y'all do that? Yeah, I've been told that's what highly successful people do, so I do it. I'm still waiting on the success. But, um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I, I, and that particular day, I was going to be going to a funeral. So, you know, when you go to a funeral, you want to look presentable. You want to look nice. And yeah, I'm a youth pastor as it is. So people are already, you know, you have prejudice and they think, well, you know, you sloppy, unorganized youth pastor. So I always try to look like 
crisp and sharp. So I could not decide what to wear. I mean, I felt like a girl. Like, like I, was, I, was, I was like April. I had all kinds of clothes on my bed. And I'm, I'm not like that. I'm usually just grab a couple of clothes, put it. And, and I just, I, I got overwhelmed by the something to me, what I thought anyway, was such a stupid thing to be concerned about, nervous about, anxious about, fearful about what to wear. So I called April in, of course, and I had her help me figure out what to wear, and I stuck it on the little thing, place where I hang my clothes for the next day. I lied away. I, I, I was laying in bed. You know, we were watching a TV show or something to, you know, before we went to sleep, and I just, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I was shaking. I was nervous. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And it was over a stupid outfit. But sometimes in our minds, fear can just totally take control and paralyze us to where we can't make any other decisions. And it's become so great and so big in our minds. And after that, ever since that point, um, that's, that was not the last of those kind of, you know, some of them were of more significant things. You know, we, we worry about money, we worry about this, we worry about that, we worry about big things coming up on the horizon, keeps me up at night. But what keeps you up at night? Don't feel bad if it's something as silly, or as you think as silly as clothing, but what keeps you up at night? When we talk about fear, um, we talk about the weight you carry on your shoulders, that thing that concerns you. This is kind of the big lesson for tonight. It's in quotes, if you got the fill in the blanks anyway, it's in quotes, and it's that God's shoulders are broader than you could ever imagine. Um, There's nothing too big that God, no anxiety too big that God can't carry for us, and there's no anxiety too small that he doesn't care to carry for us. So that's what we're going to see, and we're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And those of you who here last week, whew, thank you for bearing with me, because it was like this ridiculously long, we went through the entire chapter of Romans 8 in one night, which is like, I've, I, I know of pastors who have like made like a 12-week, 14-week series on Romans 8. So you guys were awesome in just being patient and getting through that whole passage. Tonight, it's just two verses. So it's going to be like super like manageable. <laughs> um, so maybe, you know, maybe a little less anxiety over that. But let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And here's what it says. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Now we read it. Now I want to read it again super slow. And if you don't have your Bible... Look at the words on the screen here. Just let each word sink into your mind. Let's do it again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. This book, 1 Peter, was written to Jewish people who had been persecuted and kicked out of Jerusalem because they were Christians. So they were what you would call suffering. And in this book of 1 Peter, Peter is writing to people who are suffering, people who are carrying a lot on their shoulders. And when he gets to chapter 5, he starts talking about having the right mindset and having the right understanding of things. And as he goes through, he talks about having the, how pastors need to have the right mindset He talks about how younger people need to have the right mindset about older people. We won't get on that one tonight. Don't worry. Uh, He talks about how everybody in the church, all Christians, should have a mindset of humility towards each other. So no, no room for holy rollers or holy huddles. We should all humble 
ourselves to each other. And then he gets to this section. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your, did you know the word anxiety is in the Bible? Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So we're going to learn three things about what God has to say about anxiety. They all kind of revolve around our words. And I'm going to purposely go a little quick through those three things so that we can get to the application. You know what I mean by application, right? It's taking the Bible and making it real in our lives. So we're going to hit these three realities that we learn in this verse, and then we're going to make a beeline to how we can punch anxiety in the face. So the first thing we learn is that God calls us to reset our minds. God calls us to push the reset button on our minds. You know what I mean? This picture about the little paper clip and the little button. You know how there are some devices in our homes and electronic devices where they get so junked up. Are you, maybe you'd be honest, um, April's with Addison who has the flu, but she's probably watching by live stream and I'm going to talk about her since she's not here, but she's kind of here. Hi, love you. Um, is that she's famous for having about 15 browser windows open. Is anybody else like that? You're like, I got all the browser windows open, right? And then she'll be like, I can't get my computer to work. You know what I do? I hit Command Q on a Mac. That closes the whole Safari, you know? And then I bring up one browser, and I'm like, here you go. Thank you very much. You're, you're, you're welcome. When I was, I, I worked at a company for a little while out of college, and you know, since I was the only one under the age of like 40, um, they're like, hey, can you kind of help us with tech stuff? And I was like, well, sure. They're like, um, so every time the internet didn't work, they'd call me. You know what I'd do? I'd walk into the back room, I'd press the reset button on the modem, wait five minutes and be like, you're welcome. <laughs> and I, I mean, I walked out to like entrance music and they were all cheering for me. You know? um, so sometimes it's as easy as a reset, but you ever notice that the reset button is sometimes not easy to find and it's not easy to access? Like, the, the, the manufacturers of those modems and things, they don't just make the reset button easy to find and push. You have to have the right tool. You have to you know, push in the right location. That's what it's like for us sometimes. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So what in the world does that have to do with anxiety? You know, I'm already nervous enough. I'm already anxious enough. Now you're telling me to be humble. So now I'm going to be anxious about whether or not I'm being humble enough to get rid of my anxiety. Thanks. Well, Follow along with this. It says, humble yourselves, therefore. The middle school totally bombed this, so I'm going to see if you do better. Humble yourselves, therefore. When you see a therefore in the Bible, what are you supposed to ask? Oh, you guys are so awesome. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, when you see therefore in the Bible, you're supposed to ask, what's it there for? So, you look back to see what it's referring back to, and you can look back in verse 5. It talks about humility. It says, clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another. And then it tells us a little bit how we get, yeah, about how we keep a good relationship with God. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God is very much opposed to the proud. Why? Well, there's the whole Lucifer thing, right? He started a war in heaven because of his pride. Um, in Proverbs, one of the seven deadly sins is haughty eyes, meaning a prideful look, a proud look. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So that if, if we want to access God's grace and receive relief from our anxiety, we have to start out realizing that we can't solve all our problems. We can't shoulder the weight of everything we fear and everything that we're concerned about. I, put it, I thought about it this way, Romans 12, 12 
2 says that we're supposed to renew our minds, meaning meditate. When I say meditate, meditate, I don't mean home, you know, type things. I mean, when we meditate, it's what we think on. If you meditate on your fear and you meditate on your anxiety versus meditating on God, your anxiety in your mind grows and God in your mind shrinks. But when we meditate on God, we humble ourselves before God, our our understanding of God starts conforming to reality in that we see God for how big he is and it puts our, our problem, our fear in perspective. It says, humble yourself. I'm taking too long on this, aren't I? Humble yourselves, therefore, I underline under the mighty hand of God. Remember, this was a book written to Jewish people who knew the Old Testament front and back. In the Old Testament, if you were to read the Old Testament, you'd notice that that phrase, the mighty hand of God, appears a lot in the Old Testament. And every time it appears, it was always connected to God and his sovereignty, meaning God is like in control of everything. So I I wrote down a couple examples of how how that's used. In Job, the oldest book in the Bible, Job's trial, Job's testing, he refers to God's mighty hand restored all of my fortunes. In Exodus chapter 3, when God raises, raises up Moses and sends him to deliver the people from Israel, or deliver the people of Israel from slavery to Egypt, it says that God, God's mighty hand was on Moses. In Ezekiel chapter 30 or chapter 20, it talks about the Jewish people who were forced into exile and they were taken away from their homeland. Talked about how with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, God would regather his people. So all of that has to do with God being in charge and strong enough to take care of anything. So when we say humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, it's renewing our minds, putting the re, pushing the reset button on our minds, Xing out all of those you know, anxiety browser windows that we've opened up in our minds and focusing on on one thing and one thing only, the mighty hand of God and how strong he is. So God calls us to push the reset button on our minds. The next thing he does is God calls us to rapidly, I had to get an R word in there, God calls us to rapidly throw our anxiety onto his shoulders. It says, at the proper time, God might exalt you. And here's verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him. Now, just to, not to get too technical on a Wednesday night, but casting is not the main verb of this passage. Anybody know what the main verb is of this passage, all you English scholars in here? It's humble yourself. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Casting is, I know we're going to get way too, yeah, this is way too deep in the woods, but it's called a participle. It's actually called a dangling participle. I mean, that sounds like something you should have to go to the hospital and get treated for. You know, <laughs> I got a dangling participle, doc. But that, a dangling, it's referring back to this is, this is how you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's by casting your anxieties to God. This word for casting is interesting. It's only used twice in the Bible. The other time this word for casting is used, it's used in Luke chapter 19 when it talks about how the disciples, when Jesus was getting ready to ride the, triumphantly ride the donkey into Jerusalem like a, like a king, they cast or they threw uh, um, their garments onto the donkey so Jesus could ride on it. So it's like throwing a weight onto the back of a horse or something. It's transferring a load. So it says, cast your anxieties on, on him. It reminds me, I put on here, hot potato. You know how you, you play the old game, hot potato? As soon as that potato hits your hands, you're, you're offloading it to somebody else so that when the music stops or when the timer goes off, you're not holding the dang hot potato, right? So the, the, the thought here is that when anxiety comes, when those Fears come as soon as we realize that it's coming. We're offloading it to God's shoulders because we know our shoulders aren't strong enough to carry it. We know God's are, so we're casting our anxieties on him. That was easy enough, right? 
Not, not quite so easy when you're going through it, though. I can attest to that. But here's what makes it, I, I think, helpful. is It says, because he cares for you. Who wrote this book? Well, God, but who wrote First Peter? Peter. What does Peter know about Jesus caring for him? Well, in Mark chapter 1, he healed Peter's mother-in-law who's about to die. We learn about how Peter was drowning in, in, in a sea, and Jesus literally walked on water and pulled him up. You don't think Jesus cared for Peter? Peter fished all night, couldn't catch anything. Jesus like, boom, you got fish. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus died on a cross, came back to life. Where's, who's the, one of the first people he visits and talks to? Peter, and he restores him. So when Peter says, God cares for you, Jesus cares for you, he's not talking about this like this idea. He says, I can tell you from personal experience, he cares for you. So the thing that you're anxious about or that you're having this anxiety come over you about that seems so stupid to you and may even seem stupid to other people, God cares that you can't pick out what to wear tomorrow. He cares for you. And then the final thing, the final R word, is that God calls us to rest in his care. Look at, look at how God is over all this. It talks about God's power. God, the, the one who cares for you is strong. It says the mighty hand of God. It talks about his timing. It says at the proper time, God may exalt you. So this powerful one, so you say, well, God's so powerful. God's so great. There have been times in my life where I needed God. I needed him to save me out of a situation, and he didn't save me out of a situation. I got a picture up here of, we, these aren't as common as they used to be, but of a dark room. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say a dark room where they develop you know, where they develop pictures. Uh, what they, what, the reason it's a dark room is because if it was exposed to light, the pictures would not develop correctly. So they have to, they have to be in this dark room and be in this, little, you know, this, uh, um, this liquid for, for a period of hours and have to be you know, messed with, played with in this dark room before they can be these beautiful pictures. Um, sometimes God's timing, we don't understand it, and we're in this dark place in our life, and it's like the dark room, meaning that God is doing things even though it's not the place we want to be. And if God were to remove us from a situation like like we want him to, we would not turn into the beautiful picture of grace that God wants us to be, like we learn about in verse 5. So when we're in that in-between place, God calls us to rest in his care. A, a, a God who's powerful, the mighty hand of God, a God whose timing is always perfect at the proper time, and a God who cares for you. He cares for you. So there's your three R words. Sounds easy enough, right? <laughs> But if you're like me, you, you know it's not easy to apply this, is it? Because when anxiety strikes, when fear strikes, it's crippling. So how do we apply this? How do we punch anxiety in the face? I had to get kind of creative with the C words here. One of these days, I'm just going to hit hit you run into a, a brick wall and not be able to alliterate the application points, but not today, Satan. Uh, so... <laughs> So we're going we're gonna to hit our application points, punching anxiety in the face. Some of these are super theological. Some are super practical. Well, the first is confess your need of a Savior. You ever think about this? You can't save yourself from hell. You can't save yourself from what you're afraid of. You need God to save you from hell. You need God to save you from tomorrow. You need God to save you from what you're coming through tonight. So part of Part of confessing your need of a Savior is saying, God, I can't, I can't do this without you. I need to humble myself under your mighty hand and stop trying it on my own. If, 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 I, th- if I live like I'm bigger than God and there's a problem that's bigger than me, I'm out of luck. That's why I need to humble myself under God. The next is cultivate. You like it? You cultivate? It's like a farming term. Cultivate a lifestyle of worship. The more we live for God, the more we live under the mighty hand of God. 
you know, the more we, we understand how great God is. We study the Bible, right, because God is noteworthy. I went through and thought of all the little worthies. You know, we study the Bible because God's noteworthy. We tell others about Jesus because he's newsworthy. We gather together and sing about him because he's praiseworthy, right? So when we understand how worthy God is and how great God is and we start living for him, we start serving him, we start seeing him work in our lives. The next, and you're not going to like this one, middle school didn't like this one, but choose rest over amusement. Here's what I used to do when anxiety struck. I get up out of my bed because I couldn't sleep. I go downstairs and I turn on Netflix and I watch like three episodes of The Office, which, I mean, it's never a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, it's always a good idea. But here's what, here's what I learned. I'd, I'd watch three episodes and I'd totally forget about what I, was, what I was concerned about because my mind was on like autopilot. But then I hit the home button on my Apple TV. I went back upstairs, went to bed. And you know what was waiting for me in bed? I mean, other than April sound asleep, um, was my anxiety. Because I'd turned my mind off, and as soon as I turned my mind back on, anxiety struck. So instead of amusing ourselves and putting it on the shelf only for it to come back at us, let's do the hard work and rest in who God is. Open up your Bible. Talk to Him in prayer. And that's where we get into the next one. Consistently engage with the Bible. Consistently engage with the Bible. Develop a Bible reading plan. You're not going to know how great God is if you don't open His book and learn how great He is, right? Um, and here's one that's worked for me. I don't, you know, I, I put on an index card for those of you, some, some people are hardcore paper people. Any of y'all off the grid, you, you have to write everything down on real paper. It can't be digital. A couple of you, okay. Um, but yeah, in the notes section of your phone, write down some Bible verses that help you when you're suffering under fear. The next thing is curb anxious thoughts by praying immediately. We, we have, we, the more we keep anxiety and fear in our life as a pet, the bigger it grows. The more it feeds off our minds and our soul and the bigger it grows. So we have to curb anxious thoughts by praying immediately. Immediately turn those things over to God. And the final thing is, this is my favorite of the C words, curate, almost like you're in a museum, but curate a collection of BFFs who will listen to you and pray for you. This is one of those areas, I, I, I'm a big science guy, you know, I, I love like science, and, and I was reading some, I was reading a, a journal article, which, you know, some of you are like, mm, you know, why are you doing that? But uh, I was reading a journal article about anxiety, and they came across something that uh, the Bible came across like 2,000 years ago. Um, so it just took, yeah, these uh, psychologists a couple thousand years to catch up, but um, is, is that people who have anxiety or are suffering with anxiety, or suffering with fear, if, if they talk to somebody about their fears, if they have a conversation with somebody about their fears, that when your brain tells another person's brain through words, like not like, but you know, through words, when, you, when, you, when your brain talks to another person's brain about your fears, is that that person's brain helps regulate your brain so that as you're talking about your anxiety and as you're talking about your concerns, that person is, is, is helping to balance you out. You think, well, Matt, why are you talking about science stuff here? Isn't this like Bible? Isn't this God like Bible? Well, it's kind of like Ecclesiastes says, two are better than one. If one stumbles and there's no one there to, 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 to pick him up, what, what good is it? The Bible created us to be together in community. The Bible created us to have relationships with the people of God. And this is one of the many ways that we need each other. So, you know, talk to somebody, find somebody, you know, send a message on the Refuel app, talk to your tag leader, talk to a friend, and find someone who will pray for you. One of the greatest things is that I have some people that when I'm struggling with anxiety or I'm struggling with fear, they're a text away. 
They'll be in the middle of a busy day, and I'll be in the middle of a busy day, but I can just text that person real quick and say, hey, would you please pray for me? And they're like, absolutely. And I know they're actually praying. It's not like that, I'll pray for you, sweetheart, and they don't actually pray for you. You know, it's like really praying for them. Um, so curate a collection. You, you, these, these are people that are going to be with you for the rest of your life. You, do you have that person? Do you have those people? If not, find them. Um, I hope you know April and I are only a text away, and you guys keep, just, just assume we're up because you guys keep us up all night anyway. So assume somebody else is already keeping us up, and we won't be offended if you text us at 2 in the morning. So, so, so we're here. The leaders are here. You are not alone in this. So all that to say, um, kind of a big theme of our, our, our series, is that the end of fear is found in a personal relationship with a God who is good and who is sovereign, a God who is loving and cares for you and who is in total control. The question is, do you have a personal relationship with that God? And how is that relationship tonight? So I'm going to leave you on that question, and we're going to pray, and, and we're going to make like a baby and head out of here. So let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for this time where we get to, in a small way, humble ourselves under your mighty hand. Uh, this is a time where we get to think about how great and how strong and how, um, how merciful you are. And God, if we ever have to wonder why or how much you care for us, we can look at the cross. We can look at Jesus who bled and died to pay for our sins and to give us new life. And, and God, as we're experiencing that new life together, sometimes the old life catches back up and it tries to take over. And, and we experience fear and we experience anxiety. Oh God, I pray that you will train us, uh, that you will renew our minds to when fear comes, when anxiety strikes, that we will quickly offload that anxiety to you, that we'll throw all of our cares on your shoulders because you're the only one with shoulders broad enough to carry our burdens. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.